Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today is the 22nd of January 2023. And on today's show, a look back at the weekend that was in Big 12 basketball, which was headlined by TCU taking it to the Kansas Jayhawks in Fall Gallon Fieldhouse. Also, a lot more from the weekend that was coming up on today's show. You are locked on Big 12. Your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here at Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Please do so. It really helps. We're trying to get to 3,200 subscribers by the end of January. So if you guys could subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe as well. That would be great. Like the videos. Leave comments as well. Today's show is brought to you all by LinkedIn. I'll let you guys know that about today's show. More from them later on. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12 is where you guys can find the show. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show as a whole. Wherever you get your podcast or once again, right here on YouTube. I want to start off with a quick note here because I, I kind of get some stuff on Twitter and some of you guys follow me there. Some of you guys don't. You guys should if, if you do not. Uh, a lot of Big 12 tweets and some other stuff as well, sports-related tweets, but a lot of Big 12 stuff happening over there. And I've seen a criticism I get a lot on on the comment section and also on Twitter whatnot. I do not pull for a specific Big 12 team. I want the conference to do well as a whole. So like, if there's a situation inside the league that – uh, you know, is better for the league if one team beats the other. Like that's kind of usually where I where my allegiances lie. I just want whatever is best for the league normally. But when it's league team versus versus like outside team, I'm usually pulling for the league team unless it's you know a one off where Kansas is playing Missouri. Right? Uh, I went to Missouri, but like you know, unless it's a one off like that, usually I'm pulling for the Big Twelve team. So just note that as as we kind of look here, uh, because you know people are like, oh, you know, you're pulling for TCU, you're TCU guy. And there's also a lot of people who think I was anti TCU because I had some choice words about the Kendall Bryles hire. So and look, that's just my opinion. You guys can have yours. Um, so yeah, just once again, know that I am not I am not against any Big Twelve team. Uh, I am really for all of them, and in certain situations, I want you know some to do well. The certain game where a team needs to win, you know, if it was a a game like the Big Twelve championship game, we had a twelve team playoff, and K State needed to win it to get in. You know, and TC would probably get in anyway. You probably want K State to win, so you have a you know two teams in, so stuff like that. Uh, let's get to this weekend. So this was another really fun weekend of Big Twelve hoops. Uh, you know, we had that Texas West Virginia game at night, which was close. Oklahoma State comes from behind to win a two-point game. K-State rallies to win that game. Baylor rallies to win their game. I mean, there was a lot of fun, cool storylines that we have to begin where the day in Big 12 hoops began. TCU, 83. Kansas, 60. At Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Um you know, body blow effect, maybe, you know, KU's coming off of a huge, a big loss, obviously. Uh, but TCU had a bad loss on the road as well against West Virginia. And so you're wondering kind of where they are when they come into this game. But really, this was a tremendous, tremendously fun basketball game to watch. This game was up and down. There were runs happening left and right. You know, TCU takes the big lead. It felt like the KU run was on the way. It was TCU was up 22 at one point in the first half. Bill Self gets a technical foul to fire up the Jayhawks. And then it goes back to, I think they got the 10 at one point. That's where it went at halftime. 
And then I thought the rest of the way, the job that TCU did to stave off any, you know, any real KU run was impressive. The also impressive part is, you know, I know things didn't really matter in the end, but uh, TCU outscored KU in the second half too. And you felt like all year long, that's where Kansas has made their money. And they did not today. They were sloppy with the basketball, 17 turnovers in this game. Uh, you know, it felt like some of their shooting woes carried over from the other night. Dwan Harris, 0 for 4. 1 for 6. And only played 23 minutes because he was in foul trouble uh, on the night. And I'll get to Jalen Wilson in a second. But on the other side of things, like TCU shoots 55, uh, 54% from the floor. 53% from three and 80% from the line. They were 31 57, 8 for 15 from deep, 13 for 16 from the line. Just a crazy efficient game from TCU. And look, like Mike Miles does not shoot that three ball especially well this year, but he's still a 50 plus percent shooter from the field because he's such a devastating two point shooter. He's now actually above the. Uh, 30% on the year. He's approaching 31. But you got guys like Emmanuel Miller who shoot like 58%. Damian Ball, 44%, right? Eddie Lampkin, big guy, so he should be shooting above the 50s. He is. He's a 54% or 55% shooter. And they have all these guys that, you know, together have played, uh, I mean, very good basketball, I would say, at times. But then you have yesterday a contribution from a guy like a Shahada Wells who comes in there and was absolutely lighting it up. And they were spreading the floor. They were attacking. And as good as Kansas is in transition sometimes, TCU was the better team in transition. I'm not sure what the fast break points ended up being, but TCU was running and running and running. And they were they were very much willing to oblige KU in that style. And that's what gave them the early lead. And any single, you know, every single time they needed to, to make a shot, uh, to stop a run, whatever it is, came from KU, they got it. Jamie Dixon's group, I think there are times they lose focus. There are times they look disorganized. I think especially during the West Virginia game in that first half, complete disorganization, turnovers left and right. And that's something I think down the road you have to be worried about. But this is the kind of team TCU can be. It's tough to do this night in and night out in the Big 12. There will be more losses. There might even be two-game losing streaks. Hell, there might be a three-game losing streak in the cards for TCU at some point. They lost back-to-back games against Iowa State and Texas. It would have been a three-game you know, losing streak if they didn't hit the big shot down the or they didn't get the big win. Obviously, the big shot, too, down the stretch against Baylor. But I put this on Twitter, and I'll put it out right here. I think the TCU Horn Frogs can definitely, definitely, I'm saying this, definitely be a Final Four team. Will they? Let's see what I predict when the time rolls around here. But the thing about them is, with what they've got in transition, with Ball, with Miles, with Miller, guys like Lampkin, you know, if you can get PV, you know, good to go and healthy. I know availability yesterday for him was a challenge. You got guys like Wells coming off the bench who can do what, you know, he did yesterday. Uh, Charles O'Bannon's been there for a long time too. Like they've got a lot of guys who have played a lot of basketball and, and are experienced and are good scorers and can score from different places. They've got multiple guys, in my opinion, who are tough shot makers in Damian Ball and Mike Miles is kind of the ultimate shot maker. Uh, they can run half-court offense. They can find baskets in the half-court. They can find baskets in transition. They can find baskets in the paint. They can shoot the three ball. Uh, they can do everything. You know, they're not a great three-point shooting team. They're sub-30% on the year. 
but they can light it up like yesterday because yesterday, I know they hit some step back, tough threes, whatever, but like they were spreading out, creating and getting open looks. This is not a team that's always going to wow you with the passing, right? It's not a team that is going to always uh, light it up in terms of assists, but they've got guys who are good individual scorers and they can move the ball around when they need to. There's lots of parts of their game they should polish off. They do turn the ball over a good bit. They're not the best defensive team in the conference, but they're athletic. They can run. They can beat you in the half court. They can beat you in transition. They can D up when they need to. They can get steals. This is a very, very dangerous basketball team, TCU is. K-State fans will attest to that when when TCU beat the brakes off them last week. And K-State right now is the rightful number one team in this league. So TCU, uh, they made a statement yesterday. And once again, this league, you know, statements can kind of be week-to-week things because you never know what's going to happen next. I actually don't know off the top of my head who TCU plays next. Take a look here in one second about where they, they play. Uh, let's see. They play Tuesday. Yeah, they have Oklahoma at home, right? So you think they win that game, but if that's a close shootout and, you know, Grant Sherfield hits a shot at the you know, down late and TCU loses, like it's going to happen. That might be an upsetting loss, whatever. But you see that version of TCU yesterday and you think about the problems they caused for an Arizona back in 2021. I mean, they were a bad foul call away from, I think, winning that basketball game against Arizona last year. In the NCAA tournament, it was a late game, right? Nobody was really watching it. But in round two, I thought TCU should have beaten Arizona uh, last year, and they did not. But this team, dangerous, absolutely dangerous when it comes to tournament time. And do you think I'd say, Josh, top 15, sure. But we aren't talking about TCU enough. We're talking about Kansas State. We're talking about Kansas. We're talking about Rodney Terry at Texas. Um, you know, I think we're talking about Baylor now. I'll get to them in a second. But TCU's team that we have to think we have to really consider. Are they the best team in the Big 12? They win a Big 12 championship regular regular season. They might win a tournament because I think they've got a team built to win a you know three or four games and you know, three day games basically for them in three days. I think they've got that kind of team. Uh, but the regular season, I don't know. But I mean, conference or, or, or tournament setting, that's gonna be a tough team to beat for Kansas. They need to figure out how to bring that consistent level of play. Uh, for 40 minutes. They are not doing that right now. And while the results for this Kansas team are 16 and three, second in the Big 12 right now, think of, and, and, you know, you think about where this team was last year. They were, you know, I think they were what, 16 and two and 21. Yeah. So, so they're a little bit better. So results like they're, you know, kind of on the, in the same area that they were back in, uh, you know, the championship season, obviously they had last year. Um, for them, though, you know, that record can be a little deceiving because think about all those close games they had. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, uh, West Virginia wasn't that close, uh, OU game, right? Iowa State game, uh, K-State game was close. You'd say, oh, maybe the foot that won around to the win. Whatever. They have a tough time putting their foot down on teams. They did it against Seton Hall. They did it against Missouri. They did it against Indiana, against, like, the good teams in their schedule. So they put their foot down against them. Maybe you could say – you know, I'm trying to think, not really anybody earlier in the season that really took it to. So this team's got the ability. They've got a guy in Jalen Wilson who is absolutely a fantastic player all around. They just need that supporting staff to set up, the, the supporting cast to step up. And also, like, there are going to be games where guys like KJ Adams are in foul trouble. I thought the fourth foul he picked up was a bad call. I really did not like that call. But he put himself in some tough spots. He had one that was an off-ball reach that I really did not like. And he cannot put himself in those situations. 
He is way too valuable. While he is not a huge guy, he is under control. He is a good athlete. He's a very good roller. He's very good at finding space where he comes off a screen and he can, uh, you know, matriculate his way into a space where a pass can come to him, but also the defender maybe can't get to him in time. Or also he's got a, a chance to get a shot up. A defender can't reach his shot because he can really soar through the air and get that shot. up. He's a guy who's what six, eight and can play a lot bigger than six, eight because of his athleticism. He's a smart player, but yesterday was not one of the smarter games. And the thing is for them, you know, I know they might not want to do this, but they're going to define ways potentially to get a guy uh, you know, like Ernest uh, Uday, uh, some more PT, because they're going to need guys like that, I think, later on in the season, right? Uh, they're going to need players like that to step up from Zach Clements, right? Somebody, another big guy, just not a very effective offensive player. And so this team lacks depth. And when you're getting performances like we're seeing, you know, right now, Dwan Harris is still 43% three-point shooter. He's been really cold last couple of games. They need Joseph Yesifu to step up as a shooter too. They need Grady Dick to step up. He is not, I mean, he's still shooting at 44%, but like he's on a cold spell. I'm not too worried about him. Uh, McCuller was better yesterday, but we saw a cold the other day. Like, when you've got that much lack of depth, you need all those guys to step up. And right now, all those guys are not stepping up in a meaningful enough way. I still think they're fine. If I had to bet on the team to win the Big 12, still put my money on that team. But right now, it's not looking it's not looking excellent uh, at this moment in time. Next game, the first place team, let's get to them. K-State, they rally. Uh, you know, a game against Texas Tech, they were down, I think, two scores or two scores. They were down, still in football mode. Uh, at least 10 plus points, I think once or twice in this game, Texas tech is just grasping for straws, fighting for wins. This team is not quit yet on Mark Adams. I have to give them that. They're just not very good. They're not a good shooting team. They were 32% yesterday. They were 24 from three. They were 40. Uh, they were five for 12 from the line. Uh, you know, their leading scorer yesterday was pop Isaacs who had 13. So did Davion Harmon. Those two guys combined yesterday were nine for 32 from the floor and they were four for 16 from three, which is just 25%. You know, Kevin O'Banner, who's not really a guy who can create his own shot of four, 12, one for six from three and 0 from five from the line. Like this team, while they're doing things like they were plus four yesterday on the road, they're just not doing everything simultaneously you need to do to win. I thought it was a pretty decent day for them defensively, especially in that first half, but Second half, things got away from them in case they ends up winning this game by 10 points. So I love the way they came out. I love the energy that they had, but K-State did a good job of grinding them out. Thought Marquise Noel had a really strong game because uh, he got to the free throw line 10 times. When you got a guy who's what, five, you know, uh, was he five, eight, go to the free throw line 10 times. It tells you something about a player, especially a team that was struggling to shoot the basketball. They were attacking the rim. You know who else went to the free throw, uh, free throw line 10 plus times? Keontae Johnson. It's three for seven from the floor, but eight for 10 from the line. Those two guys combine to go 17 for 20 from the free throw line. That will play. Those two guys combine once, and they're the engine that makes this thing go. They combine for 38 points on a day where most efficient shooting from the floor? No, but they got to the line, efficient from the free throw stripe, and that attacking was really what they needed to do. You know, forcing all the fouls, getting to the free throw line, making your free throws, 20 for 27, not an amazing day, but they made them when they counted. And that is, you know, that's really what uh, what matters. Those two guys, you know, shooting 20 for 27 free throws. 
that will play. K-State guys, they've won games in the hundreds. They're winning games in the 60s. They're winning games in the 90s. They're winning games regulation. They're winning games in overtime. Jerome Tang is, he knows what he's doing. And I guess we should have see, all seen this coming. I think the one question for us, you know, preseason expectations wise, it's fair to say this, that how are we supposed to know Keontae Johnson would be this good coming off what happened to him? And I think that's a really fair, it's a fair assessment. If you're like, look, we had no idea. Totally fair. Totally fair. We had no idea. I didn't have an idea. But now we know it's this guy. Now we know, you know, Marquise Noel can be a, can be a leader. And they've got guys like Masood off the bench. You know, Sills had a great game against Kansas. Obviously, Naquan Tomlin, you know, for them, it does uh, plays a pretty pivotal role. Like they've just, they've got a good collection of guys. And you love the way the way this team looks right now. 17 and 2. They're 11 and 0 at home. They're, they're making home a fortress. The crowd was great yesterday. The big key for them now is once they return to the road in Big 12 play, how does that go for them? So far, pretty decent, right? At Texas, they get the win. But the other one, uh, and at Baylor, they get the win, excuse me, too. Double overtime win or the overtime win. Uh, TCU did not. But they have Iowa State on Tuesday night. You know, games like that at KU is the next road game. Uh, so those games, I think, are ultimately going to define whether or not they win the Big 12. But Games like yesterday show you why, hey, look, they're they're built to be in front right now. Uh, they they rallied in a day where they really did not look very good. That shows character, in my opinion. It definitely does. Alone at the top at 6-1 and one in the league. All right, quick word from our sponsors on today's show, and then we'll hit the rest of the Big 12 action. But once again, first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by the folks from LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 is predicated off making the right kind of hires. We always know that who you hire is the most important thing. LinkedIn Jobs will help you hire the most qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Go to LinkedIn.com today, LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, you guys can go to LinkedIn.com slash College. There you guys can post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, folks, let's keep this thing rolling. In other Big 12 action yesterday, the kind of third game, you know, we have to get to Oklahoma State, like they're they're not done yet. Uh, I not a tournament team. They have a lot of problems, but the reason why I picked them yesterday, I had a good day yesterday. I was 4-0-1 ATS against the spread. You guys can follow me on Twitter at L- uh, at LO Big 12 and at Josh Neighbors for those picks. The reason why I liked Oklahoma State in a game where it was two very good defensive teams. You pick the home team, right? When you think it's going to be a dogfight, you usually want to pick the home team. And yesterday, the home team got the job done. And this was one of the better days that Oklahoma State had shooting the three-pointer. Avery Anderson, in particular, you know, he's not built to be the lead guy. We saw it yesterday with eight turnovers. But still, 
shot the ball very well. Two for three from three, five, nine on the floor, six of nine. And he was the guy that really led them. And they led that charge. They're able to come back and rally. And I love Mike Boyden. Excuse me. I love Mike Boyden as a coach. I think he is an awesome, awesome coach. Um, the 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 thing is like they've got an awesome recruiting class coming in next year and they've still been hampered by some recruiting stuff up to this point because everything going on with the investigation into Oklahoma State. I think he's dealt with it very well. This team is not fantastic though. It's not a really good team. I don't think it's to be a tournament team, but I was impressed with this win. Iowa State, I mentioned this the other day. Games like these are the real indicators about like how real of a contender you can be. And the issue for Iowa State is the lack of just proven scoring. And the droughts happened. They went up big early, but they just could not shoot the ball very well late. I mean, they, they were uh, plus 10 in the first half and minus 11 in the second half, scored only 24 points in that second half. Just for them, it was a slog. They're still a really good team, still a good basketball team. They're still awesome at home. I just think we have to acknowledge where this team is. But Oklahoma State, quality win. And for them, they're not out of this thing just yet. Do I like their chances to make the tournament? No. Out of it yet? Also, no. We cannot say they're out yet. Huge win yesterday for Baylor. Big loss. I think it's a bigger loss for Oklahoma. I'll explain that in a second. 62-60, the number 21 ranked Baylor Bears get the win. They're now 4-3 and in conference. They are now on a four-game winning streak. They've shaken off a 0-3 start in the lead to get their heads back above 500. They go get a, ro- a win on the road on a day where Keontae George was not fantastic. Uh, two for, or three for 12 from the floor yesterday with four turnovers in the game. They fought and they battled, they scratched and they clawed. And I think they're still trying to figure out what this team looks like, what their best lineup is. Um, you know, is it with Flagler and Cryer and George and Bridges and Thamba together? You know, is it with a guy, you know, Dale Bonner's kind of losing minutes? Is it a Langston Love out there on the floor at the same time? But I think the one guy, the swing guy, the guy they need, like George Cryer and Flagler are really scary combination. And yesterday they were not the most efficient group in the world shooting. But I'll tell you what, the swing guy for them is Jalen Bridges. And Bridges hits the big shot late in this game. And he has been the factor. That's the guy uh, you know that, that, that we know they're going to need. Um, you know, I know Langston Love also makes the, you know, uh, made a couple big shots too, uh, as, as you know, at other points of the game. But like the guy that uh, throughout the game that yeah, I felt like was the big one was, you know, uh, it was Jalen Bridges. Like that's their swing guy, right? You know, he puts, he hits that three pointer. It's the go ahead three with what was it about two minutes left, about a minute 30 left somewhere in that range. And that was, that was massive for them because then they get the next three from Adam Flagler and that put them up four and really, you know, oh, you could not close that gap. Was it a bit shaky closing that game out? Yes. Yes, it was. But Baylor now four in a row, they get the next game at home. Bridges was a steady force yesterday. And so he comes over from West Virginia and you're wondering, Hey, when is this guy completely going to get his legs under him? It feels like he started to do so. It really does. Huge stretch for them coming up. So they had the West Virginia win on the road. Oklahoma State at Texas Tech and at OU. All right, so you beat some teams towards the bottom of your league. But the big news is in that stretch, you racked up three Big 12 road wins. That's huge. Now it's KU at home, then Arkansas at home, then Texas on the road. There's a good chance, guys, that next Monday night, big Monday, January 30th, we're talking about a Baylor team that has won six games in a row, becoming off back-to-back wins against top 25 opponents. Will it be difficult? Yes. Can they do it? I think this team is going to do it. And I'll tell you what, that Monday night game, the KU-Baylor game, oh my God, guys, is that a massive, 
massive contest in this league. I think Baylor guys, if they get red hot, like they, they're not out of this thing just yet. They are not out of this thing because the coaching pedigree of Scott Drew, because the amount of talent on their team, because the proven winners like Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, and I mean, Keontae George is just a special player. Are they all the way there yet? Not sure. Like TCU just showed us the all the way great version of what TCU could be. Have I seen that yet from Baylor? I don't think we have, which is good news and it's bad news because I think you want to see that at some point in time. Oklahoma, these are the kinds of games that you have to win if you want to make the NCAA tournament. Right now, Joe Lenardi has Oklahoma as the last team in. Uh, yeah, the OU is the last team in. Kentucky picked up the big win this weekend against first place Texas A&M. He has got them in now. He'll have them flip probably. They'll put Kentucky in, OU out. But OU, when you get games like this, opportunities like this at home, you have to take them. These are the games you have to win if you want to make the NCAA tournament. They don't do it. I think Porter Rosier is doing an okay job, but the investment from the fans and the program, it, it just feels like it's not all the way there. They've got some decent players, but they're not. Uh, that program, you know, just feels like they have to win all their home games. It's not a good enough home court advantage. And, you know, a win like KU on the road would have put them in an awesome spot, but they couldn't finish it out, right? Four-point loss there. They get uh, kind of clobbered in that second half against Oklahoma State. Right now they've won, uh, you know, they, they lost their first two conference games, and then they beat Texas Tech barely. They lost to KU. And they get the win, and they, they go down again. So this is a team right now that's just battling two and five in the league. And they're, they're, you know, they're towards the bottom. They're behind Oklahoma State. So they have to make sure they start, you know, they need to start playing better, but it's not going to get any easier with at TCU and Alabama and then Oklahoma State again at Baylor, uh, at West Virginia, at Baylor, and KU Kansas. I mean, they, their schedule is brutal. They're going to have to start taking this thing one game at a time and start racking up some big wins. They'll get a great team coming to their building next week, but Alabama's a, a wrecking machine right now. Uh, 11 and 8, Baylor, or Baylor, 11 and 8, Oklahoma in a bit of trouble. Last game we're going to mention. Texas grinds it out, guts it out late. West Virginia has had a bunch of opportunities to beat good teams at home. They picked up one against TCU. They have not picked up the rest, though. And uh, this loss, this was one of those they needed to have. They had the edge early, but Texas fought back. A awesome performance. And we're starting to say this more, more often now from Marcus Carr, a 23-point performance. They get 20 off the bench, too, in a 69-61 to 61 win. Uh, Serge Barry Rice gives them nine and Christian Bishop gives them nine. Those two guys combined to shoot seven for 12. That's really good. They also go four or uh, five for uh, seven or eight, five for eight from the line, right? So they're getting to the free throw line as well. When you've got guys coming in, spelling you, you know, some of that depth, it's very important to get that. Tyrese Hunter still feels like we haven't seen the best of him. That's good news. Also, Dylan Disu, really good performance as well. They just got good depth. And on a night where Timmy Allen wasn't very good, they still get a road win. They're 16-3. and three. They're 5-2 and two in the league. They're right there at the top. I think they could win this conference. Right now, I still feel like the four, if you give me four teams that can win this thing still, I'd give you Texas. I'd give you K-State. I'd give you KU. I'll give you Baylor. Those are the four teams I think that could still win this league. Now, the most dangerous team, maybe I'd say TCU when it all said and done, but I still feel like because their home court advantage is not excellent that I'm a little bit worried about that. They might drop a game or two at home and not, but I, I like those four teams right now. Huge win for them, and I thought on defense, a very good performance, holding, uh, forcing 20 turnovers and then holding uh, West Virginia to sub 40% shooting from the floor, which was very, very good. But those turnovers 
were a big key there. Plus seven in the turnover margin. And on a night where you were three for 13 from the, the three-point line from beyond the arc, it's important that you do things like that. Guys, this race is fantastic. This Big 12 race is going to be awesome. For more, make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And obviously, if you're watching right here on YouTube, you guys can find us on YouTube as well. Please subscribe. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.